first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is a very, very special one. We are joined by the former video coordinator for the Memphis Grizzlies, a former assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets, and a former standout for the Jesuit High School Crusaders, the man who taught us to embrace our bounce, the co-host of the Dunker Spot, none other than Steve Jones Jr. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great. That's like a top five intro that I've ever received. Well, I didn't say former. You you know, I so I wanted to make sure I had all your credits, you know, so I did a little, I did something like eight minutes of research. Here's what I know. Beat Kevin Love in the state championship game. Shout out to the Tarver brothers. Shout out to shout out to Josh and Seth. Always, always, but always. Yeah, Two thousand five state champions. Yeah, not a not a great game. It's somewhere on YouTube. But woo, I loved winning that one. Yeah. So what's up? Shout out. How you doing, Kevin? Uh, I know you're listening out there. <laughs> and this little, this one is maybe a lot. Not a lot of people know. In two thousand nine, in Vegas, you beat Damian Lillard and the Weaver State Wildcats. What's popping? I sure did. That's, That's actually right. really funny. That that like Dame was really good and he was <laughs> a thing. Dame actually hurt my back. Uh oh. Seldom told story. It was late in the game. I, I we were up enough to win, but they called timeout. So coach put me in the game, and I ended up guarding Dame on a switch on a screen at half court. And he did like a quick crossover and a pull up. In my life, the right side, just everything cramped. You're still feeling it now, some 12 years later. <laughs> well, that's age, but I just, it's always a funny story. It's like, oh, yeah, I did play Dame. Oh, yeah, he did hurt me. He hurt it's you. Just... <laughs> I was trying to see if you, uh, if there was any other Blazer legends you would cross path with, cross paths with. I don't, Luke, th- I don't does think Luke so. Luke Babbitt count? Luke Babbitt counts. Luke Babbitt counts for sure. Armand Johnson, two legends. Played, played against both of them, yeah, and we two, beat them. Two legends, three NBA players on that team Armand, JaVale, and Luke Babbitt. So, what's up? Take that. Yeah, I took a charge on Luke Babbitt. It was a fun night. There you go. All <laughs> right. So, yeah, you've taken him down. The Chalupa King himself. Um, yeah, that means your Blazer connections run deep, not just like random dudes from the middle aughts. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Steve's father is the late Steve Snapper Jones, an absolute legend and a legend in people. I don't know if everyone knows how legendary this gentleman is. You know him. If you're old enough, if you're a certain age, you know the voice. That is the voice of Blazer basketball if you're a certain age. But do you know that he was a teammate of Maurice Lucas in the ABA with the St. Louis Spirits? Like real deep, deep Portland shit, y'all. <laughs> uh, this, this is real deep Portland roots. The only thing, the only thing that is not Portland about you is that you don't work for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, right. My man Eme built a whole Portland staff and I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. Ego is a- destroyed. <laughs> I thought I thought I was top five Portland out here. I know, I'm, and then I'm, it's like, wait, I'm not getting the call. You're checking your phone, like, Emay, what? Come on, dog. Too many good players. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> hey, it happens. It happens. Um, but we're not on here just to relive the early aughts of Portland Metro League basketball. But we will. Like that's uh, shoot. Um, that's about when I moved out here. That's that's that I really know. Um, but let's talk a little. Let's talk a little Blazers. This is ostensibly a Blazers podcast. Uh, Steve, what did you make of the Blazers offseason? Uh, and whatever you think that question means. That's a loaded question. It is. It's, it's a lot there. It's one of those things where I think you have to view both sides. And by both sides, I mean 
Damian Lillard's views and what Portland's front office was trying to do. And I think if Dame had not felt a certain way or things had not been out a certain way, this offseason probably gets viewed a little bit differently. There's not as much expectation. There's continuity. We're tweaking just like they have the last two off seasons as far as, hey, we didn't reach this. Let's get this to add to it. But it looks a little different right now because Dame has said, hey, I'm not out, but what are we doing? And unfortunately, the timing of that for the Blazers front office wasn't great. Right. And so there's only so much they could do with the roster they currently have. Not that they haven't built something, but they're kind of on a path. And if Dame is saying, hey, we need to do more, there's only so much they could do in this offseason. And the initial moves being, what was it, Cody Zeller and Tony Snell. Don't no forget disres- Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. Throw him in there. No disrespect to those gentlemen. Solid pieces. But considering the noise that's been around the Blazers this offseason, probably not going to land the same that it would if everything was cool. So I like the moves that Portland made. Getting Larry Nance was huge to me. I think he fills a lot of holes. I think they're obviously trying to find talent to add to the roster, uh, add versatility. That's been something they've been doing for the last few years since they made the shift from you know, the quote-unquote Mo Harkless, Alfred Camino uh, era. They would try to add versatility, try to get multiple positions, get some shooting, get different looks they can throw to have different lineups out there. I think they accomplished some of that as far as, you know, I like the Cody Zeller move yeah. as, as a big. He's solid both ends. He's going to do every little thing you can and that you need. Tony Snell, solid, can play both ends of the floor. But with the expectations and the noise, it felt like they needed to move the needle. And while they may have gotten better to a degree it didn't necessarily move the needle that it needed if that makes sense yeah like I, i've been saying like i thought they had a good off season but they didn't have the off season they needed like they did a good job cody zeller on the minimum is, is good good business uh trading for larry nance for what they gave up is good business uh tony snell and ben mclemore are are adults who can who can say hey we need your help and they can go help you like that's you and you didn't spend a whole bunch of money to do that you got reasonable parts didn't you didn't spend lavishly to do so but the mandate wasn't get get a little bit better do pretty good the mandate was like the you know dame taps his watch the man taps his watch i worry that the watch tapping is is focused on someone else now it's like hey i want i i you know we talked about aging at the, at the beginning of the podcast he it is just a reality of getting older that your priorities change in life. And I think Damon Lord's pr- priorities have shifted and he made it clear this off season. Now I think he's back. I expect him to play th- throughout the season. I expect we'll revisit this in July, but to think like what happened from the end of that Denver Nuggets series to now, it's like a sort of, I don't know, shattering what he believed, you know, shifting dramatically what he was about. I, I don't think they did it, but I'm with you. Like I, I, I like the, I like the Larry Ant stuff. Um, I think he had some wrinkles. You, um, on the court, what is sort of what, in what intrigues you about sort of what they can do now with the new parts, particularly the addition of Larry Nance Jr. Cause I think he's really the, the key here. Well, I think with Nance Jr. You have someone who can play the five, but can also play the four. He can guard multiple positions. He can switch, which is something that Portland hasn't always had outside of a small, if that makes sense. Right. 
So you can be conventional, but you can also be big. You can be small. You can do a lot of things with him in the lineup and um, get more juice out of it. You know, he's a guy who could, you could say, guard one through five. And the Blazers haven't had that specifically. Pretty much last year it was Robert Covington or that was it. (laughs) So, So you get a guy who can help you on that end of the floor. You know what he brings as far as a roller offensively I, I love that piece of it because Portland's always good with a roller it's why Nurk works uh it's why they wanted Hassan Whiteside to work and it didn't but Larry Nance is a good screener good roller guy who can run handoffs so you can have a lot of flow offensively so I I like the pieces that he brings to the table my only issue with Portland is it always feels like they add a player to a team where I wish he would have been on the other team like I wish Larry Nance had been there last year right like that would have had more of a pop. Not that he can't have an impact right now. And like the mellow deal, I feel like maybe a year before or Covington, maybe on a different team. And that's a tough part where you're kind of adjusting on the fly and trying to react to, okay, maybe we don't have this. Maybe we don't have that. And that's where I can kind of see the front office, front office's perspective of, Hey, we're building something. It's having success, but at the same time, there's a missing ingredient. And that's the tough part. Back to Dame, back to Dame, real quick. Yeah, sure. I don't actually like. I just think he wants to win. Yeah, and I, I think it was overblown to a degree because he, every time someone asked him, he's like, "No, I don't want to leave." Yeah, (laughs) but but like I'm not like I I don't want to keep doing this either. So yeah, I I think the difference was in the past he would say, "I don't want to leave," and that would be the end of it. And now he was saying, "I don't want to leave," but and I think Mm -hmm. that was what was really loud here was just like, "Okay, but what?" But like, and it was. No one who follows the team closely thinks that it's an unfair demand for a man in year 10 with the same employer to say, I want to, I want to have more success at work. (laughs) That's normal. Like I got a normal job. When I talk to my boss, I say, I want to, I want to have more success at work here. Now that I've had some experience, that's a normal thing for all of us folks, much less people in a highly competitive world of basketball. So like, I don't think anyone, maybe some people out there, there's a lot of weirdos, but like, I don't think anyone who's paid attention knows that it's like a reasonable request. It's just, we hadn't heard that level of request in the past or that level of like, okay. And like a hype, like a, a situation, a conditional, I guess is the word I'm looking for. The conditional. That's what really changed with Dame for me. No, makes sense. But it's, it's interesting because they brought Norm back, which I, I thought they had to do. Right. And I still think at a level having Dame, having CJ, having Norm, that's a problem. To a degree. Mm-hmm. The interesting part is like, this is where if their young guys had played more, you'd probably be a little bit more excited. Sure. But if you look down the roster, there's guys who could pop and have a big impact, but you're not sure yet. You don't know what you have, which is an interesting place to find yourself at in this moment where it feels like, I don't want to say a fork in the road, but things got to move a little quicker. That yeah, they're definitely at a roundabout if they're not at a fork. <laughs> I I think I, for me, it's like when you're really good and, and, and they've been consistently pretty good. It's one of the real problems with the Blazers is that almost my entire life, they've been a good basketball team. Um, it's it, they're just a consistently competitive and they haven't taken step, you know, steps one A and one B or whatever to, to get there, really. Um, but. They needed to hit on the draft. And in 2017, they had three draft picks that came away with Caleb Swanigan and Zach Collins. Didn't work out. 
Zach Collins didn't get healthy, whatever, bad luck. You look at the first 10 picks of the 2017 draft. Uh, nobody really knew what they were doing outside of Boston. Maybe it's a weird draft, weird year. So they got it wrong. It's a big deal. It hurts the team building, but it's, it happens. 2018, Simons, 2019, Nazir Little. Those are the two guys that are left. Those are your last three years. They haven't really had a first round pick since then. They got out of, in that stretch, when you are a good team, you kind of got to get those right. And it, like you said, like you look down the bench, you say, well, if, if Nazir Little, who hasn't really played, if he's good, that's a game changer. But we don't know. Like how, how other than just being a believer, and I'm a Carolina guy, you know I'm a believer. I'm wearing a Kendall Marshall t-shirt right now. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> I'm in there like swimwear, but like, I, I, I don't know. I, I want to believe, but I don't know. No. Yeah, I agree. And it's one of those things where you, even if you look at a team like the Warriors, like if they had hit a few more times in right. the draft, this bridge era would probably go a little bit smoother and you see why they kept their picks this year so that hey okay we can't do that let's yeah. make sure we have some pieces to see if we can grow and build so it's it, it'll be interesting but it's the west is tough man it like is the west the west is tough and it's tough because sometimes being competitive being a contender isn't enough you know like when when i was in memphis when we were in memphis it was we were good we were proven but it was like can we hit that next level and who are we preparing for? Yeah. Like the Spurs, the Spurs had our number. So we made moves to get shooters to beat the Spurs, but then we didn't play the Spurs. And it's like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lionel Holmes got fired after making the Western Conference Finals. You know, like it's you just it is an unforgiving world. Like really good, as good as Memphis has ever been. See ya. Like it, th- that's just how it is sometimes. The, this business is unforgiving and it's also unpredictable because you don't necessarily know, hey, did we overachieve? Is this actually who we are? Or did right. we have a good run? And now you build on, quote unquote, an overachievement. And that really wasn't what it was. And now you're in trouble. It's just like it's so touchy and sensitive where like I understand how players are. and I understand how the front office is. But like in this era, players just you don't get the same benefit of the doubt that you did in the nineties, early two thousands where, Hey, yeah, I'll give you another shot. I'll give you another shot. It's fine. Nah, man. What's up? (laughs) See ya. (laughs) See ya. Hey, it's been cool. Uh, thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity, but I gotta go. I have, I, and you understand that I have to go. Like, it's not even, it's like, Hey, yeah, we, you know, we, everybody gets it. Uh, you mentioned your experience with the Grizzlies. I want to ask you a little bit about sort of, uh, head coaching, assistant coaching perspective. But first, let's talk about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like you've never seen them before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the best part there's no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package all right 
source chatting here with Steve Jones Jr. This is something you mentioned on the Dunker Spot. You said that the buy-in is different. The Dunker Spot is a just absolutely wonderful podcast. I don't know if I promote that up top. Let me hit it. Let me hit it here. The Dunker Spot. Promo it. Promo it. (laughs) Co-hosted by Nikias Duncan, who's a former guest in this podcast, and Steve Jones Jr. Is it you will be smarter when you listen to the pod. Go listen to it. It's available wherever you get podcasts. It it's really my favorite basketball podcast that there is. I was joking with Steve beforehand that uh, it's the the long episodes, and if I listen to them, I'm out here doing a Nakias impression after a couple hours. So um I won't hit y'all with it now. That's for like that's for best paid content. You gotta go behind ah, the paywall. Got you. <laughs> Can't give that one away for free. But um, good, but listen to, listen to the dunker spot because Stephen Stephen and Kais will make you smarter about basketball. And if, if you like what I do here, they're doing it better. Um, but you mentioned this on the pod. You said that the buy-in that it takes to from players from an assistant coach is different than a head coach. And the Blazers are are they're you know, Chauncey Billups is going to make that um transition, right? He's he he was an assistant coach on the Clippers last year. When you're saying, hey, hey, you know, when you're looking at film or watching film with, with somebody on, you know, pregame or whatever, an off day, you can kind of get them to do stuff. But but the head coach role is different. And from your perspective as being on NBA benches, how is that? How is it different? And how is like the ask or the buy in from guys different when you are in the big chair? Well, it's a completely different role. You know, when you're an assistant coach, you have more time to talk to guys individually not the head coaches don't but you have more time to work with them on the court you know even if there's you're rebounding they're getting shots up putting them through stuff you can talk then you have opportunities in the locker room come and show some quick tape or work them out before a game like there's just built-in opportunities to get the buy-in from the players listen to what they need address their concerns you're kind of like a bridge almost because you know what your head coach is looking for and wanting. And you also know, hey, I can listen to this guy and try and guide him in the right direction. And there's limited pressure in that sense. You know, you're not going to betray your head coach, but at the same time, you can get the buy-in and listen a little bit more and be like, yeah, I understand. I get you. I got you. When you're the head coach, you're the guy. Right. And you have to hold one through 15 accountable and you have to manage the egos you're responsible for the playing time. You know, if I'm an assistant coach and someone comes to me and says, hey, why didn't I play? I may have the answer, but I can probably massage it a little bit better than the person who actually has to make the decision. And that's one of those things where honesty is important. uh, Empathy is important, but you have to get those guys to believe in you. Because if you're a head coach and those guys don't necessarily believe in your message, don't believe that what you're putting out there is improving them or the best for the team or anything like that, you lose that. You know what I mean? You yeah. lose sort of the the peak that you could have. And that's why you see some teams do better than expected. You look at like a, a Denver last year when they went through all those injuries. They had that buy-in to still believe. Right. Or, hey, if we do X, Y, and Z, we may not have the margin for error, but we can still compete. You look at the Clippers when they had the injuries. Ty Lue had that buy-in. Where, hey, look, let's scrap defensively. We'll figure some things out. Let's get after it. And you look at other teams who may have lost the buy-in over the course of the season. You know, was was Philly all the way in once they got punched in the face? Not to say that they weren't, but it, it changes things. It makes right. it different. A- Atlanta probably had the buy-in. Nate had the buy-in. Yeah, once Nate got there, they were it. a different basketball team. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, those players have to believe in what you're selling, so that way they can patrol each other. And all of a sudden, that flows throughout the roster. And now everyone's on the same page. If, if the head coach is saying one thing and an assistant coach is saying a different thing, that's always a problem. 
But if the players sit and be like, I don't know if this is the right thing to be doing or if we should be doing this, it's hard for them to execute it. You know, I remember there would be times where we would change defensive coverages on the fly in Memphis and it was like clockwork because they knew like, oh, yeah, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. We're just going to go out and do it. And then you go to a different spot and they may not understand the why or have seen the success, if that makes sense. Sure. So it's there's more questions. There's more things you have to show. There's more things you have to display. So you have to gain the buy-in. Like you have to get the success to where they believe in it. That's why early starts are important. It doesn't right. define your whole season. But hey, if you, you believe that we can have success doing it this way, once we hit some adversity, we can still rely on this and still improve. So it's just it's like a it's different, man. Like it's it's like that chair. I don't envy that chair. <laughs> You gotta like you gotta manage a whole bunch of egos. You're you're listening to the governor, yeah, the front office, the uh, your assistant coaches, your staff, your scouts, the players. You gotta manage all of that, and you gotta do media and, twice a day. Oh yeah, and then you have to play the game. Yep. You have to know what. Hey, I want to, like. There's plenty of times where hey, we want to do this for this team, but it doesn't work. Right. Like look at the, when you watch the preseason coming up. There's going to be teams trying to do things, running different things, trying to execute different things, and it doesn't work for whatever reason. Now you have to shift. Yep. Now you have to try something different because you can't keep just doing this because you're going to lose your buy-in and you're not going to have the success you want. Like one of my one of the biggest things I love about Eric Spolstra, he always finds a way to get the most out of his guys. Like you could say you know what you know what to expect from Miami generally. Yeah. But he tailors it to his roster. Sure. Okay. I got this guy. I can get the most out of him if he's doing this and that. And like, that's the fun part of watching coaches kind of grow and evolve and take what they know and what they want to do and mold it to their roster. Uh, it's tough these days to just say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. A, B, C, and D. Cause it doesn't apply. Like the, the league is similar play style wise, but not everyone can do everything the same. Right. Sacramento looks great when they're getting up and down the floor, but when they can't, now what do you do? Yeah, exactly. I, I think one of the big differences just from I've not, not by on the bench, but just like on the beat and watching in practices, like assistant coaches seem to be able to be, it's not like a good cop, bad cop thing. They can also be bad cop. Like an assistant coach mm -hmm. can yell in a way and can say, get your shit together. You're not doing it in a way that a head coach can't. Because if you yell and it doesn't work, like some guys yell, there are yellers in the league for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but if you yell and it doesn't work, you, like you said, now you maybe now the guys aren't buying in. And when you're asking them to do stuff, they're like, no, nah, I don't screw this dude, you know? Uh, and I think, I think that transition to be where you have to be a manager is good luck. Good luck. I mean, Chauncey Billups has been in the league for a long time, dude is a hall of famer and all those things. But this that's it is a challenging ask that is uh it is a big big job you were in memphis for a first year head coach a guy in dave yeager who made the transition from a longtime assistant to a first year head coach in light of the blazers situation that is in some way similar i want to ask you about that first year head coach perspective in the third segment but first let's talk about bill bar it's the best tasting protein bar that there is Simple as that. They're just making delicious protein bars. They got something for everybody, no matter what your flavor palette is. So if you're into the super chocolatey flavors like double chocolate or caramel brownie, or if you're into the fruity stuff like cherry barcia or orange, strawberry, 
you'll find what you need. And if you don't know what you like already, I recommend you buy a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine available flavors. You can try all of them, decide what you like, and order more from there. But they're not only the best tasting protein bar in the market, which they absolutely are. They're also good for you. Like 17 to 18 grams of protein in every single bar, 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, and no more than five grams of net carbs. Tasty, healthy, delicious. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year, y'all. Football is here. And if you want to get in on the college football or pro football action, there is no better place to do it than Bet Online, your number one spot for all things gridiron this season. That includes online's biggest half million dollar mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, both open now at Bet Online. You can head on over to their website right now, this very moment. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 100% welcome bonus when you're making your first deposit. They will match you dollar for dollar, 100% on your first deposit when you are signing up. But there's another deal that you can take advantage of right now. If you're listening to this on Thursday, when this when this uh, episode comes out, that's Thursday, September 9th. Tonight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys play the first game of the NFL season. And if you are a new customer, you can use the promo code NFL100 and you can make a bet on that game and your wager will be refunded up to $25. That's a free $25 to bet on an NFL game. If you are a new user, there is no better time to get involved. So head on over to betonline.ag, use that promo code LOCKDOWN or that promo code NFL100 if you want to bet on that Bucks cowboys game tonight and take advantage of all the deals they got going on. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still chatting here with Steve Jones Jr., the host of The Dunker Spot, available wherever you get podcasts. I want to ask you about a guy making the transition to become a first-time head coach in the league. What were the challenges you saw from your perspective? Uh, this was the 2013-14 season. So my uh, my younger listeners, if you don't remember the 2014 Grizzlies, man, coming off like a 55-win season, getting a new, a brand new head coach who had never coached in the league in Dave Yeager, and he wore track suits and a chain. He was cool as hell. <laughs> DJ was the man. We won fifty. We won fifty games that year. I yeah. think we were the seven seed. Oh yeah, the West was wild. It it was insane because everyone was like, "Hey, congratulations, fifty wins. That's great." I'm like, "Bro, we just barely made it. I've been stressed <laughs> out for like four months." But I think one of the things was in that particular situation, and I thought Dave worked his tail off, but it was more there was a certain style of play. And there was an evolution that needed to happen to get it to the next level. Sure. And so it was a give and take on that portion of it. We need to get more movement offensively. We need to try and push the pace a little bit more. We need to not just only rely on our defense. We want it to still be strong, but we want to make sure we're actually punishing you on the other end and not just surviving and leading on the defense. So it was a give and take there where, hey, look, it was a lot of trying things. Sure. And and realizing what didn't work, what did work, because we did find some things that did work. Um, 
and then making sure we kept the defense strong. Because sometimes when you come with a team and you focus everything offensively, you lose some of what you had on the other end. And for a team like that, you take a step back defensively, you may still be good, but you need to be great to kind of compete in that level. So I thought the biggest thing was just watching him make the adjustment to leading more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's more of a, a leadership deal. Uh, taking the relationships he had built and continuing to build on those and, you know, holding guys accountable, but also staying honest and staying true. Cause that's the key part of it. Um, not to say as an assistant coach, you don't have to do that, but there's, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same meaning if that makes sense. Sure. I, so I, I think, thought that was the biggest thing. I think one of the um, interesting challenges is for a first year head coach is that to get the job, you sell a vision, you sell a specific thing. Here's what I'm going to do. You, you go into the interview, you say, here's the parts. I'm going to take Marcus I'm going to take Zebo. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I got all these things. Give me, give me coupons. Quincy Pondexter here. Let's do it. Um, but then you got to figure it out in the first week or so. Like how much do you think in, from that specific, you know, perspective, and we can extrapolate that out to the Blazers. Did, did Jaeger have a plan in August that changed by November? Like how, how quickly does that stuff shift? Yeah, I don't think it wasn't just I don't think it was just Dave, but I think coaching in general, you have, you know, you season ends, you go into summer league. Hey, you have concepts. You're always thinking, hey, what do we want to try? How do we want to do it? What can we just look at in the summer league to see what we could take to our main team? You know, as far as pace or flow or actions or defense or anything like that. I think it was a big thing where, hey, we had a vision. We had a plan. Half court offense. We're going to run a lot of this. We're going to put this in. And, and you have meetings and meetings about it. You have discussions and discussions. You have the vision based on the skill set of the players you know you have. And you put it in. And maybe it looks great. Or maybe it doesn't look right. And maybe the longer you go with it, uh, the more defense we play. I don't, I don't know. You know, just because I remember not just in Memphis, we put in an elbow and it was up and down to start. When I was in Brooklyn, we ran a lot of Utah stuff for Darren Williams. Mm-hmm. Which which helped, but also the more we did it, it was like, okay, I don't know if we can just rely on this. So it's one of those things where you say, hey, there's pieces of this we can use, but it can't be the base that we thought of, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, because when you're sitting in an office in August, it's very easy to, I don't want to say romanticize, but see those things occurring, see those things popping in a different way. And then once you see it on the court, you got to say, ooh, okay. A, B, and C was good, <laughs> but this this has to go. We can't just we're, – we're, we're playing way too slow. we got to open it up a little right. bit. And I think that's one of the, the beautiful parts about basketball is watching a team have an idea of what they want to do, try it, and then kind of mutate throughout the season, if that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of mutate even early. We're like, okay, we can't just do that. Let's open it up a little bit. Oh, we found something. Now we can lean back on the half court. Just kind of that back and forth, that given – take is always fun for me to watch yeah i I think think that's gonna be i think that's the test for the blazers right is like the the big ask number one ask in the way it's like can we be a better defensive team and then the number two ask is can we share the ball more can we can we get a little more off ball movement on offense they don't really need to get better in terms of like scoring points per possession type of thing and like you roll the ball out for dame you're gonna be pretty damn good on offense but like 
you need you it's so step one how much can the defense improve and then step two it's what other what new wrinkles can you make it easier on dame easier on cj get norm like truly involved all these things like i think um i i think we know the headline make this team an average to slightly above average defense but the details of how they open up this offense and make it and incorporate everybody and and use their use their new parts i think that's the truly fascinating part about this upcoming season well, no, that's going to be the interesting aspect. And I think with Portland, it's tough because they're a good offensive team. Right. I don't think anyone would dispute against that. They're a team that could be better. I think everyone would agree with that. Sure. And you had a coach in Coach Stotts who had a lot of movement stuff. Like when he first got there, they were one of the oh, best yeah. half-court movement teams ever. They kind of shifted more to pick and roll. And now how do we adjust back to movement? How do we open things up? And now how do we focus on what we're trying to do on that end to improve and lock in on the defense? Like that's going to be the interesting part for me. Cause I'm just thinking in my mind, time wise, how can you lock in on both? Cause you have to, right. especially as a new coaching staff. So like right. it's not like they have, it's not like coach Sots coming back. I got my base offensively. We can tweak some things and we're locking on the defense. No, I got it. We got to make sure we lock in defensively, but offensively we also have to, put these things in that I think will help us. And that's how Portland comes out. It's going to be very interesting to me because there's no way there's not an emphasis on defense sure. based on everything we've heard, but how much focus on the defense will affect the offense or will the offense just be simpler and they'll play out of things a little bit more and less sets. And yeah, less pick and roll spread and just... them out and let the genius of the two guards just do it. I, I kind of think that's not Chauncey's bag. Like I kind of like I I kind of think he'll want more structure just b- based on who he is. He's a point guard. He's going to want to run stuff. He's going to want to get into stuff. Now he might be he might say, "Hey, we want to run these three actions early in the clock, and then like you're Damian Lillard, you can do it from there." But um, I think they're going to try to put in a lot of stuff. It's going to be. I am. I can't wait. I'm ready for real basketball. Today, people on my Twitter timeline were tweeting out Instagram captions, Steve, Instagram captions, Damian Lillard's hashtags on Instagram. I'm I'm done. I'm done with the hashtags. He's back. Whatever the hell. Let's play basketball. I got, I, I what are we, five, five weeks from basketball, man. Whew, I need it. I need it. I need to hear this. I need to hear those squeak, those squeaking sneakers in the gym, man. The season is already about to start. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I saw your face when I said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tell your family. Tell your family it actually doesn't start until Thanksgiving or something. No, no. I mean, it's it's a good thing, but it's also like, man. Well, it's weird because everything's been so compressed. Right, right. Like we went from right to bubble to, hey, let's get back. And this is the season to get back, but this is also compressed. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, well, listen, we'll, Everyone, if you don't already, follow Steve on Twitter. Steve Jones 20 at Steve Jones 20 on Twitter. He's threading out games. You will just, you will just, he's clipping up video. The man is a literal professional, uh, professional video clipper. He was paid for for a damn near half decade to do this professionally. He's good at it. He does it, he can get you in real time, get you caught up. You'll just learn more about the game, not just blazer stuff. Like he'll hit you with blazer stuff. He's deep down, he's still a blazer. Deep down, not even maybe that deep, but he's, he's got it. He's got it in him, but you will learn all about the whole league. Follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Jones, subscribe to the podcast. It is the dunker spot. 
It is a wonderful podcast, available wherever you get podcasts. It's also available on YouTube. You can watch it there. Nakais and Steve do a wonderful job. You will be smarter for it. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on Lockdown Blazers. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm going to have to come back, especially if you're going to give these promos and plugs. I haven't felt this good in like four months. See, that's what I'm saying. I, You know, here's one last promo before we get out of here. Steve's college career ended by Ali Farouk Manesh. Real heads know. Real heads know Ali Farouk Manesh, okay? He's a heartbreaker, and he broke Steve's heart. All right, y'all. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.